This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, today we've got Margaret Morales. Yeah, Margaret Morales, right out of Seattle. She's out of Seattle. She used to live in Vancouver. She used to go to, I think she did her master's at UBC. That's right. And now she's with Sightline, which is an independent nonprofit think tank uh, based out of Seattle. But they focus on Cascadia, Matt. Yeah, that's Um, right. I looked it up. Um, we're apparently <laughs> we're part, part of it. <laughs> it's, uh, they're focused on strong communities, green economies, uh, healthy environments, and all of that obviously includes housing. So it really interesting conversation that we had with her about the different type of building and incentives and tax incentives that have happened between BC and Vancouver specifically and Seattle and Washington. You know, this is a fairly academic point, um, but she wrote an article called Why Seattle Builds Apartments But Vancouver Builds Condos. Right. And it is interesting to think of Cascadia with that border running between it and how federal but also provincial or state policy has influenced the types of buildings that are used and the implications of that. I almost went and got my transnational boundaries textbook out of uh, <laughs> from upstairs. It's, it's a perspective is everything. Postmodernism. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So, okay. So it's great that we're going to have Margaret on and Matt, what else we got today? Yeah, first off, we got our listing promotion. It's week three. Uh, We're running that right to the end of 2017. Basically, what this entails is get in touch. 
will come. We'll tell you what your place is worth. We'll have the best strategy for marketing it, the Scalina marketing strategy. You'll get top dollar and you'll get money back. But we're not going to say how much. Give us a call to find out. There is an incentive and you just ruined it. You said it was money back. Oh, no. Well, it's something. something. It's something. (laughs) Anyways, it's exciting. So maybe before we get to our interview with Margaret, we've got our tip segment. Tip of the market to you. Tip of the market to you, Matt. Tip of the market to you, Adam. Okay, so today... I'm going to throw you for a loop. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about winning your morning, winning your day. And I want to talk about roof maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, you can have next time. But my, okay, so here's the thing. And this came up partly because you were saying when you wake up, one of the first things you do is check your phone yeah. and check your email. Yeah, well, I, I am one of those guys that, you know, it's like last thing before bed, set an alarm on my phone, keep sure. it on. Put it right it's by your head. It's buzzing at night often. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wake up, and check my phone immediately, and it's it's better than a, a strong cup of coffee, that's for sure. Typical realtor, and, and actually, I shouldn't even say typical realtor, because really, everybody now is in that state of mind, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you've got your work emails going, you've got your text messages coming in all the time. Uh, we have lots of clients that, are, that work for the government or jobs that typically weren't supposed to operate like that. Yeah. And and they're all in the same boat as us basically now. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to talk about is this idea of of when your morning, when your day, which you know, it's kind of become a almost like a bit of a cheesy buzzword maybe out there. But you're employing it and it's working. It's working. It's working. And this year I've actually learned to turn off. But the nice thing is we're gonna actually put a video on Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com slash blog that's going to have a link to a Chase Jarvis and Tim Ferriss video. Basically, Tim Ferriss, what he did is he looked at the habits of billionaires in his most recent book. But this is just a tidbit of information of the best ways. It's the best sleep hacks, but it's also the best way to start your morning and start your day before you get into the trenches. Yeah, And uh, it's amazing. There's, there's, there's really great tips in that. So I've been doing them in the morning and uh, I feel so much better. And uh, it, it actually makes me better at my job. Well, you know what? You look healthier. You seem happy. I might uh, shift from 18 cups of coffee and checking my phone to uh, to exercise. <laughs> and uh, just to bridge the gap, we realize this is not only uh, this isn't only a show for for real estate agents, but really it's it's that idea that if you're going to be carrying a job and also being an investor on the side and trying to monitor the market, you need all the focus and attention that you can give. That is the thing. I mean, you have more energy right now. You're living cleaner, it seems. That is the type of lifestyle you need to employ, especially if you have a full-time job and you're monitoring the market. Right. You need that extra energy to do so. And it's so easy to forget about real estate and go back to, you know, three, four beers and watching Friends episodes. Yeah. Who's doing that? (laughs) Brady D. (laughs) Oh, man. Nice. Nice finish to that. Anyways, that's our tip. Roof maintenance will be next week. Yeah, exactly. So check out our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And it will be in the blog section, this video. But yeah, it's 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 actually pretty awesome. Okay, good tip, good tip. And Matt, just quickly, shout out to our uh, team member, Daihi McCorry, for uh, his uh, Irish accent. Uh, he's on our team. He's from Ireland, and he's been with us for almost a year now. He so. also goes by David, but... Uh, yeah, David McCarthy or Daihi McCorry, but I, I prefer the latter. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, David. So moving on, Matt, we've got our latest segment as well. John, Seth... And the Hoi Polloi. Yeah, John is a second crack here. Apparently, the mishap with Seth of the first episode has been rectified. And uh, well, we haven't really even talked to John, but let's. Well, John's just... yeah. I mean, but it sounds sounds like it's going to be. Uh... I'm excited. Seth. 
We're starting! Seth has run away. We were talking about movies, and I said I haven't seen Sausage Party. He took his shirt off and ran away screaming like a banshee. Left his shirt here. Uh, I guess this is John, Seth, and the Hoi Polloi on Main Street. What do you love about this neighborhood, Main Street? Well, there's a lot of different types of creative people in this neighborhood. You know, you've got like the, what do you call it, native shoes over here. You got Hootsuite. So that's kind of like a creative thing. And then you've got, you know, we got RAF Art Supplies, Artist Studios on um, above the Gene Cafe. And then there's also like all these other galleries that are popping up. What would you say are your favorite things about this neighborhood? Oh, everything, because you've got everything on here. You've got coffee shops, bike shops, and everything, grocery stores, Tim Hortons. They got it all. They got it all. Have you seen some epic changes since that time in this neighborhood? Absolutely. Would you use the word epic? Probably not. <laughs> I, I, use it more than, I use it more than many people do. What do you think about the changes that you have seen? Is it good? Is it bad? I think it's nice to see the old parts of Vancouver still holding their own in different places and combining with the new. Um, there's something just about classic Vancouver that gives the city its whole feel. So it's nice to see that that's still being incorporated as things are changing and, and progressing. And right now it's pretty smoggy. It's like there's a lot of smoke in the air. Um, do you think that this is a way for us to solve the affordability crisis? If the fires are just always burning and Vancouver is a horrible place to be, would this make the city more affordable? I guess. I mean, that, I think that eventually that would be a really big problem. Like, we'll all have to leave because of the fires. But that's In the short term, though, good for you and me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> There's a lot of smog over Vancouver right now, a lot of smoke from the forest fires. Is a potential solution to the affordability crisis just to keep the sky constantly clouded with smoke and the air choking us to death, and then less people want to live here, and for those of us who stay, it'll be cheaper? I sincerely hope not. But it's one option. Let's just take that right off the table. I mean, I, I think it's good to consider all the options. I'm going to ask you uh, to react to a couple of words, and you just say whatever's on your mind. Uh, what do you think about uh, gentrification? Ugh. And what do you think about gentrification? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Interesting places pop up and, you know, it keeps changing. I, I like it. I think it's good. What about hipsters? Everywhere. What is a hipster? Oh, dude, I can't get into that. I don't know if anybody can. What about hipsters? Uh, lots too, but we're in Vancouver, so. We are in Vancouver. We're in also, I think, potentially hipster uh, central here. How do you feel about bike lanes? Are they a way for us towards a more sustainable future or are they the devil's highways? I'm definitely all for the bike lanes. Pro bike lanes. Pro bike lanes. Very much so. I get around, um, well, for half of the year and I definitely feel like we can handle bike lanes. Like, we're, lots of cities in Europe have bike lanes. It's fine. We'll, we'll be okay. Are the bike lanes our road to a more sustainable future or are they the devil's highways? I think bikeways, it's like definitely the way to go. It's a little nerve-wracking when there's bikers because they're unpredictable and you never know. The Devil's Highways, is that the Devil's Highways answer? Well, we're wrapping things up and still no sign of Seth. We thought we'd find him at the Kingsgate Mall. This is his favorite mall in Vancouver, uh, but he doesn't seem to be here. We still have his shirt. He'll be all right. Uh, he does this all the time. Uh, but we're really happy to have spoken with so many friendly people on Main Street today. 
This is John, Seth, and the Hoi Polloi for the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Sending it back to you, Matt and Adam. Strike two for John Hoomer with this whole <laughs> Seth business. I'm actually starting to wonder if John knows Seth Rogen. It's, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a strong pitch. We were very excited about it. I was very excited about that segment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see what he does in uh, upcoming segments, but uh, maybe another chance. I, I do like the segment. I like where John goes with it. I no, just, I uh, do. yeah, me me as well. And it's interesting. You know, we were in Yale Town now, Main Mount Street. Pleasant Main Street corridor. That's yeah. totally different feel. Uh, interesting to get the pulse of the the street. Yeah, and I think John actually is going to be going to other areas coming up. So. Keep an eye out for a guy in a bow tie. And uh, uh, and a famous movie star with him. Yeah, exactly. Braden? <laughs> well, anyways, Matt, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Margaret Morales. Yeah, this uh, the comparison between Seattle and Vancouver is definitely an instructive one, and uh, it's an interesting conversation. For sure. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Margaret Morales, Senior Associate Researcher for Sightline. How are you doing, Margaret? How are you doing, Margaret? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. So, Margaret, can you start by maybe telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a researcher at Sightline Institute. Sightline is a nonprofit think tank. Um, We focus on sustainability issues for Cascadia, which is a bioregion that covers Washington and Oregon in the United States and British Columbia. Interesting. So sustainability, is that why you were talking about housing? Because Adam and I were talking before the show about kind of condos as the future in terms of from an environmental standpoint. Is that what got you interested in the subject? Yeah. So I'm on Sightline's housing and urbanism research team. Um, Sightline sees cities as the future of our world. The population of the of the world really is so quickly urbanizing, and cities offer an opportunity for reducing our carbon footprint. So we're excited about how to make them accessible and affordable to people. Excellent, excellent. So you actually just wrote an article, which is part of the reason we reached out to you, um, called Why Seattle Builds Apartments But Vancouver, B.C. Builds Condos. Um, and that was published uh, just recently, I think just within about the yeah. last week or so. So maybe start by telling us what got you interested in comparing Seattle and Vancouver. Yeah, well, Seattle and Vancouver are two of Cascadia's biggest booming cities. Um, and when you look at their housing mix over the last five to 10 years, they're almost exact flip-flops. So that got me thinking what's going on. Um, Seattle is building Almost all of its new building is apartments. And Vancouver, 50% of its new housing units over the last five years have been condos. Uh, so I started asking the question, why? And why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my article, um, you know, it starts out talking about that, you know, the mirror image of kind of between the two cities. Um, with the strong condo market in Vancouver, strong apartment market in Seattle. And then I look at um, what is driving that. And really, the story behind each city is kind of similar. It's that obstacles have been put in front of the housing type that each city is lacking. So in um, Seattle, condo builders face a lot of um, liability fears. There's been a history of pretty high ticket lawsuits in the United States against condo builders. And that's 
push developers off of that um, housing market. And in Canada, there was a series of federal tax code changes, mostly in the 70s, some in the 90s, that kind of de-incentivized apartment building. And so the trend towards condos, it's actually a Canadian-wide trend if you look at some of the other big cities. But in Vancouver, the prominence of condos is is the most pronounced in, in Canada just because the Vancouver housing market is the biggest and booming and most red hot in the country. So often we think of Vancouver as as a global city and in kind of a forward thinking city. It's always been my impression that millennials and younger people were actually driving the condo culture, like the the desire to live near downtown. But it sounds like this actually started well before kind of the last 10, 15 years. This is something that reaches back to the to the 1970s in terms of government policy. Yeah, I mean, that's when you start to see the housing mix kind of changing. And, you know, it takes time for what we see on the skyline, you know, the current housing to catch up with market predictions, right? So there's always a small lag. But yes, this is something that you can start to see the trend um, in the 70s. And I think the fact is now that Vancouverites are parched for rental options, more affordable rental options. So things have gotten a little bit out of whack. Um, in terms of the Vancouver's housing mix. And just so I understand that you outline in your piece, which people should definitely seek out and we'll put on our site, but the section called What's Fueling Condo Development in Vancouver, can you just outline those reasons? Because a lot of it is tax disincentives, correct? Like, Can you flesh that out a bit as to why developers are, are so keen on condos here in Vancouver? Yeah, well, so when you're a housing developer and you build big buildings or big developments, you need a lot of upfront capital. And so, you know, if you're the kind of builder that can get that kind of capital, you're going to look at your two options. Am I going to build an apartment building or a condo building? And just to be clear about definitions, I think we use the word slightly differently in the United States than in Canada. So by apartment, I mean a rental unit. And by condo, I mean uh a unit that is owned by an individual owner, usually who occupies the space, but the land, the parcel is owned collectively by all of the owners in the building. Right. So purpose-built rental, right? Like the, it would be a property management company that owns the entire structure in the for the apartment definition, correct? Right. Right. That, right. That's what I mean by apartment. Yeah. So in the 70s, federal tax code changed in Canada. Um, and there were a couple of big changes that disincentivized apartment buildings. So one of those changes was when you sold an apartment building prior to this tax code change, if you immediately reinvested your profit into another building project, you wouldn't be taxed on capital gains. There was a little grace period. And that still exists in the United States. When you sell a, a building here, if you immediately reinvest in other housing, you're not taxed. So that changed. Um, now, when you sell an apartment building in Canada, you will be taxed on the capital gains. So that disincentivized it. And another big change was, you know, apartment buildings, very big upfront cost. Um, and you're only going to make back that money gradually over time. So to incentivize building, usually investors need something else, some other reason that they would go for the kind of low and slow payback that an apartment building offers. 
And so there were some, what we might refer to as a tax loophole, there were tax shelters. There were some tax shelters that you could access if you put your money in an apartment building. And usually that sounds terrible to us. It's a tax shelter. It's helping the rich people get richer. Sure. But the fact is that tax structures like that also dictate what happens in a market, right? And so those incentives, those shelters, whatever, were greatly diminished um, after some of these tax code changes. Most of that was in the 70s. Like I said, um, there were some additional changes in the 90s. But those things also made it so that if a developer had capital to build a, a large building, there's not as much incentive to go the apartment route. You'll get your money back quicker with a condo building. And just thinking out loud here is were all these changes because like you mentioned here in the 1970s, the condo market has taken a long time to kind of take hold here, but now it's it's firmly implanted as a part of kind of Canadian life and definitely a part of Vancouver's skyline and and lifestyle that most people live. Were these tax codes, did they kind of come together to create this situation? Was it accidental or was there some foresight? Do you have a sense of was it geared towards creating incentives for condos or or was it just kind of accidental? Yeah, I know a piece of it is that, you know, at the time the government really wanted to encourage and provide options for home ownership. And so making more condos and fewer apartments would do that, right? It creates more home ownership options available. So that was a piece of it. And that's still, you know, home ownership is a wonderful way to build equity. Um, it's something many people strive for. So that's, we still need those types of other home ownership opportunities that aren't the single family home. Um, the problem is when, when you set something in motion in the market and you wait 40, 50 years, your housing mix will look so different. Right. So, so speaking about some of those differences, uh, Margaret, from a civic standpoint, what do you think is better policy? More the Seattle model or the Vancouver model? I mean, Seattle has, like I said, almost the opposite problem that Vancouver has. So I, I would say that the housing market in Seattle is also out of whack. It's out of balance. Um, a healthy housing market has a lot of housing options for people of all walks of life, at all stages of life, at all you know rungs of the economic ladder. So you need a mix. Both cities are kind of disbalanced. So I wouldn't say that Seattle is something to strive for. It's just that the incentives have been pushed in the opposite direction. Fantastic. So maybe we'll leave it there for the question, but we do have a segment and it sounds like, Margaret, you've spent some time in Vancouver. So often people we talk to that don't live in Vancouver, we leave out the five wire, but uh, I th it sounds like you can handle it. Are you willing to stick around for five quick questions here? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Do it to me. Okay. So uh, your favorite area in Vancouver? Well, let's see. I lived in, I've lived in three different neighborhoods in Vancouver. I lived in Kitts. I lived, crazily enough, I lived in a really beaten up old house in Spanish banks. And then I lived in the east side. But probably my, some of my fondest memories were from this house that was about to be torn down in Spanish banks and Crazily enough, the landlord rented it out to me and my roommate just to kind of keep the lights on for the year while he waited for a building permit. So that was just such a blast to, yeah. to live in that neighborhood. Not a, not a bad place to spend the year. <laughs> it's always most fun partying in a teardown. You don't have to worry about damage. <laughs> yeah. We painted it crazy colors. It was fun. Um, favorite restaurant or bar? 
Okay. I don't know if I can tell you a specific name, but something I had in Vancouver that is hard to find in other cities is East Indian food. Um, and I just had a blast trying that out while I lived there. Oh, interesting. Downtown Pentos or West Side Mansion? <laughs> well, I'll probably never live in either ever again. <laughs> so I don't know what I'd say. I guess it's always fun to be downtown in a in a bustling city. Okay. If you were to bring somebody from Seattle who's never been to Vancouver before to Vancouver, where would be the first place you'd take them? Okay, now you're going to hear how I'm rusty on Vancouver. But let's see. It's Pacific Spirit Park is the one that's by the UBC campus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think that park is underrated. It's gorgeous. And so I would take them there. I was hiking there on the weekend, actually. And you're right. It's crazy that it it, uh, it felt like there was not as many people as I expected. That's for sure. So uh, last question. So uh, Vancouver Whitecaps or Seattle Sounders playing tomorrow night at 7 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, I, I don't know. I guess I should be loyal to Seattle since I live there now, but I don't. I don't know. I grew up in Phoenix. I think we're going to need an back. answer here. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I say Seattle, you might kick me off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're, there's no real Whitecaps fans here. Yeah, just, no. We're, uh, <laughs> except for Brady. All we care about is hockey out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going with Seattle. All right. Well, that's good. Um, how can people find out more about Sightline and, and your work, Margaret? Yeah, well, just search sightline.org and this article still on our front page. We do a lot of writing about housing. I'm not the only researcher on the housing team. So they can look up sightline.org and look for our housing research page um, and see everything we're up to. Fascinating. Well, it's, it's, it's a great article. And uh, yeah, like we said, everybody should go check it out at sightline.org. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for your time, Margaret. All right. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Margaret Morales, a senior researcher with uh, Sightline.org, which is a think tank out of Washington State. That's one of the more interesting articles I've read in a long time, actually. It's it's very academic. Um, it's on Sightline.org. You can yeah. go check it out. But it's it's actually not... It's accessible, um, It's accessible, yeah. It's kind of structured like an academic article in, in a lot of ways, but it's... Um, it's not that long and it's easily digestible. And and she's doing something that we don't see a lot of, right? That comparative across country lines is kind of very unique. Right. It's interesting how when you think about things like we've had Adrian Crook on the program talking about condo culture and this move to a smaller space. And the last thing you really think about is tax infrastructure as shaping some kind of cultural ideals, right? Especially that long ago, right? right. And I know we asked Margaret about this and obviously... Obviously, I don't think this was a point to kind of think of what people were thinking of in the 70s. Right. But it is interesting to think of those changes that happened, you know, close to coming on 40, 50 years ago, how those have shaped two cities in such dramatically different ways. Right. And we don't, I mean, I haven't really analyzed the uh, the Seattle market much at all. And I'm not sure what availability there is in terms of condos. But, yeah, but it not, sounds not like much. not much from what she's saying. Um, and I wonder about this shift of that where we're seeing, I mean, we hear all the time millennials wanting to live in urban centers and close to the downtown. And I just, I wonder if that same sense is happening in Seattle and where the pent up demand, or if there is a pent up demand yeah. for 
for condos. Well, here's the thing. My understanding of that general sort of millennial generation desire is across North America. So it's interesting to think that a place like Seattle, if you want to live in the downtown core, right. you're living in a rental and there's not as many options for purchase, right? So it's interesting that Vancouver is is kind of seemingly years and years ahead of Seattle in terms of where we stand moving forward. Yeah, and the other thing is to think about, I mean, they are an environmental think tank as well. Yeah. We've had guests in the past talk about how much better for the environment and how much greener it is to have these condo buildings running well, and density, and, and right? Density, yeah. right? density is the answer to a lot of the environmental issues and this expansive, uh, you know, detached growth is 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 not environmentally sound. And really, it makes you think, you know, Vancouver is very progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, you know bike and, lanes and, and everything else. But yeah. And, and, and Margaret kind of hedged a bit, I think, in terms of we were sort of, okay, which city's doing it right? Yeah. And, you know, I, Vancouver's got its own set of problems, and we've explored many of those Just problems it, over Matt. the course of 80, 80 episodes. But my gut here is Vancouver's doing it better. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of reasons why. You pointed to the environmental aspects of it. Um, Single-family homes seem to be much more culturally the norm there, which leads to car culture and all the things that kind of everybody is not super excited about now. Sure. But also uh, Vancouver, the wealth of Vancouver in large part, and I tried to get at this, and I don't think this is really in Margaret's wheelhouse. Obviously, she's not uh, thinking about real estate investing as much as we do. Right. But Vancouver has many more opportunities for kind of middle class people to invest in real estate and benefit from real estate as an investment. It's not just huge companies, developers. conglomerates, developers that are building apartment buildings. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's people buying condos. It's it's allowing for well. Yes and no, I guess. Um, you think about now one bedrooms in Vancouver, you know, downtown. If you want to invest in a one bedroom, I mean, you're looking at six hundred thousand and up, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of I think in a lot of ways our affordability has gotten away from the typical middle class sure. investor. But even over the course of the last thirty years, thirty, thirty five, forty it's years, allowed I for, mean, some of our clients who are you know retired principals say that that have made you know a significant nest egg investing in real estate over the course of a couple generations the here. The boomers have rode the market. The boomers have rode the market. But but it sounds to me like Seattle hasn't offered those same opportunities in large part because it's it's a much smaller group of folks who are benefiting. Sure. And I wonder about the detached market. And I wonder about in the suburbs uh, what you can get away with for multifamily in Seattle. I mean, that's the thing. I, I just don't know enough. But I'm sure there's there's amazing investment opportunities in Seattle as well. I just, I, yeah, I tend to agree that I think, you know, with more strata properties come more opportunities. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the long and short here, Adam, is Margaret Morales' piece, Why Seattle Builds Apartment But Vancouver Builds Condos, is definitely worth a read because it, yeah. it's got us thinking about uh, kind of taking this in all sorts of directions and it's, yeah. uh, it's it, a useful think piece. And just a last thought on that, Nathan Louster and the death of the single family home, yeah. I mean, that that comes to mind without purchasing opportunities for, you know, smaller spaces, where does the death of the single family home go? It doesn't, it just sprawls it further sprawls, and further. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, a, not a great model for a future city, but I digress. Or not. But anyway. Just a few thoughts. Yeah, no, it was, it was great having Margaret on and we thank her for her time. Last but not least, let's do the PCS pitch because this is something that a lot of people didn't know about and uh, it's so 
great that we've uh, brought it to some people's attention because we're getting sure. such positive feedback. Absolutely. If you're not using PCS, you're standing still while everybody's slowly jogging by. That's right. <laughs> I don't know I think, this I think private it. client services is actually wanting to use that as branding now. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. It, it came out once and now it's like the tagline that you're not sprinting with PCS. You're, you're slowly trotting along. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, no, like it, it is it is phenomenal. It is the we, best. We've, uh, we've tried every listings uh, manager software out there exhaustively we did the beta we helped out with the beta testing for pcs and it's fantastic and uh, we're super excited to offer it on our site go to vancouver real estate podcast.com slash pcs today sign up for your no obligation hassle-free free account yeah and uh yeah we're excited that you get to use it and just to be clear, this emails you when a listing that matches your search criteria comes up. It's going to tell you 36 to 72 hours in advance of public MLS. And it's going to show you sold prices, awesome map features, integrated days on market. It's basically realtor level information. Yeah, you don't want to miss it for sure. Right to your e- inbox. And we got it. Yeah, for sure. So sign up for that. And the other thing we should say, uh, apart from PCS, if you are looking for real estate and trying to build a team right. anywhere, get in touch with us. We have developed a network of referrals across Canada that is exceptional. You know what's crazy is that I actually just heard this the other day. Somebody had, they got a chain email from a contractor, right? Um, they they didn't know the guy from anyone, but they thought, you know what? We need some work done around around the house. Oh yeah, I remember Yeah, yeah, story. yeah. So anyway, so they, they called the guy based on marketing you know, he seemed reputable from the email. You know, he'd been in business 25 years, everything, yada, yada, yada. But he comes to the house, first of all, so he overquotes them. Uh, it was insane. And actually, they they gave me a call afterwards and they said, look, here's what the quote yeah, was. Yeah, like it was like that's... to the tune of $500 over on a small job. That's, it was absolutely $500. And I, I don't think they were really thinking of it. They were like, does that make sense? Um, anyways, after they checked it with me, Basically, they they went back to this guy and said, you know what, we're going to find somebody else to do it. At that point, you know, it turned into a nightmare. He had a set of their keys he wouldn't give back. He was... Didn't he, he want was, to charge them for like four hours of work, even though he'd done nothing? He but just quote quoted on it. Yeah. No, it was brutal. So anyways, long story short, we've got people that we have screened, people that we're happy to share, some of the best people in the trades, and also some of the best people just in our industry in general, mortgage yeah. brokers and uh, fellow realtors. And uh, yeah, just give us a call. Yeah, because you know what? We focus on Vancouver, but we can put you in touch with the right people. Don't get burned. And also, Matt, we have one more spot left for the review drive. Yeah. And we've got a, a fantastic prize just sitting in my living room waiting for the I have lucky to step we're, over we're, it we're, every, every episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to be. Uh, We're going to be giving that away. So head over to iTunes and give us a review or review us on Google. We're there as well. We've got, I think, eight or nine reviews on Google now and growing. So we really appreciate that. That helps us grow. And uh, thank you very much. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to talk anything real estate related or just talk more generally, give me a shout, 778-847-2854 or email me at matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Brady D. Braden at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. You nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Remember, there's a Y in there. There is a Y. It's almost as hard to spell as Daite. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, have a great week, guys. Okay, take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 